Chơi Chơi Yep Right Well, we're here We're not dead yet They haven't got my undead hordes will conquer oh, the world. No. The undudes. Mm. And we're live. Hey everybody, welcome to another layout forward. It's Friday. It's Rob here. And uh, Catrice is here. Are we? We were talking about using our last names because we, I'm going to do it. This is Rob Randolph. That's Catrice McLeod. Oh, the Clan McLeod. And McLeod. McLeod. Are you a Highlander? Technically. <laughs> but are you like one of the one of the immortal Highlanders that that are Egyptian and somehow Spanish? And also Sean Connery. Uh, technically, no. Um, uh, actually, it would be Norse. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, okay, there's this actually is now. This is now the in we interview each other show. No, this is actually kind of interesting. Like, it doesn't really matter. I'm not like really mm -hmm. big on like tracking genealogy and stuff but it's like it's interesting but it doesn't really matter in the modern day kind of but like the family history is actually kind of interesting because it is mapped like basically hang on i'm just really making sure i'm getting you on audio because it says i may not be could you check the stream uh yeah sure because okay. <laughs> that would be upsetting Yes, I should have had this open already. That's okay. That would have made sense. At least it's a lot quicker than last week when I had to basically reinstall the stuff. Yeah, hearing myself on Twitch, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter that OBS doesn't consider your audio audio, I guess. I don't know. These dials, I mean, these things confuse me. If there's an audio mixer right here, and it's wait. only going up when I'm talking. So, no, we got the bots in too. So, whatever. Okay. Yep. Okay. Back to you. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry for it. It is weird, like um, the family history on this one, because it has actually been well documented. So. Basically, on my father's side of things, essentially, they were Norse nobility. And when, uh, you know, Christianity started uh, going into, like, the Vikings and was basically um, making them more peaceful, my family was like, uh, fuck that. There's war elsewhere. So they basically moved over to Scotland they're like, okay, you fuckers are trying to fight for independence from the English. You do not actually know what you're doing. So tell you what, 
we'll be mercenaries for you and we will basically teach you how to fight and win so basically they were like mercenary scholars that basically ran like military academies essentially and for their part in uh helping them with that they were included into the clan mcleod as an honorific oh interesting yeah it's kind of neat so it's like so that's yeah. how you ended up in nova scotia because your people are already like from cold but i guess uh that that wanders like that went from like scotland to ireland to eventually lithuania and then like my great-grandfather moved to nova scotia so i don't know that's weird there's there's more details to that and i don't know the rest of it off the top of my head because it wasn't as interesting <laughs> i don't really remember the important details yep but, yeah so we have no official topic yep ask me any question you want who framed roger rabbit uh that judge right christopher lloyd see i've never gotten that far in the movie <laughs> i really did not enjoy that movie for some reason <laughs> I, I don't even remember why it just seemed really boring to me so i don't know i never got that far and i don't know because like that is like the third different answer i've gotten on that i okay heard... okay but i've seen the movie so like i know the ending so okay <laughs> it was the judge it was christopher lloyd who is who is actually a cartoon in a human suit or something weird and uh and then and then see the cartoons die when you dip them in like this weird goop stuff i think they just call it goop i don't know anyway dip they call it and it was like they 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 disintegrated but cartoons are real but like you could put a cartoon in a human and then the cartoons are still like two-dimensional even though they're they're mapped to 3D space and they behave like they have like weird physics, and it's a it's a it's an interesting premise. It's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, the plot is he's framed because the judge wants revenge on tunes because he's a self-hating. I don't remember. I honestly don't. It's something like that. It's really convoluted. I don't. I. I, I just remember the funny rabbit and Bob Hoskins being a great actor, but like that. <laughs> I am. And, so, and some of the psych gags were really fun, but like I don't remember what. Yeah. Like I don't know the motivation, rather not the plot. But. I don't know. Well, in any case, um, should probably talk about something vaguely i know i said ask me any question you want and then you like it who friend roger rabbit so it's your fault yeah yeah i'm gonna derail on things it's fine don't worry about it but um 
let's see we actually had suggestions for topics today where did they go oh cam's here kind of e but not listening but kind of listening but not listening maybe he's on, on twitch. twitch cool that's I cool. can't tell I if anybody's that. listening on Twitch. Oh, I'll I'll type something in Twitch. Hello, Twitch people. Hello, Twitcheroos. Yeah, you're getting this on the podcast. Tough, tough shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, for the topic stuff. I wow, can... that's a deep take, dude. That's yeah, society systems, right? Ah, this career is busted. That's huh. okay. Just hang out and chat. We still yeah, love you. Fine. All right. E. Anyway, so you, you still um, need to ask me a question. Yes, I was going to ask about. Okay, the thing we we're thinking about talking about was maybe authorial intent. So it's like. How would you even define that? Like, that's Authori- usually the most important starting mm. point. Authorial intent, what the author intends for the game. I suppose in the context of RPGs and, and, and tabletop games, it would be the the experience the author intends for the players to have. Mm. So something that would be that would be part of it. And then there could be. Uh, um other things in there so that there could be a message that they're trying to convey there could be a um aesthetic or a feel that they're going for not maybe not even necessarily a particular experience maybe they're just going for a feel like there's some games that i read them and the sensation i get from them is that they're a game book that's meant to be a game book and not played if that makes sense like there was more attention put into like the book part and the really looking nice part than the then refining the elegance of the play loop so i feel like some rpgs are like are just are really nice books but not really great experiences so... but that can also be a, that could be that could be the author author's intent so i don't know it shades into a bunch of stuff uh, that's difficult because you don't actually know what the author's intent is a lot of the time. Like sometimes it's really hard to tell in the book does not make it clear. Yeah. I, and sometimes it, oh yeah. Uh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was interrupting you. I was only going to say it makes me think of like Mage the Awakening. Or was it the Awakening? I think Ascension, but, which one? The first one or the second one? I think that was the first one. Uh, ascension as the ascension whatever i i lose track of which one's which as they don't exactly have a clear naming scheme but anyway uh yeah i was thinking about mage specifically because it basically read more like a collection of short stories with something that vaguely resembled a game tacked on and the game part was floaty like there wasn't a whole lot of firmly established game part in the game i i i totally hear where you're coming from on that one i yeah 
Um, I, I, it's very hard to disagree or make a really good counter argument there because it was, yeah, this, cause the short boy, that was a fun book to read. Um, cause yeah, it was so imaginative and like the, the, the fluff about all the different, the, the, um, I can't remember what they called the clans, the traditions, right. Uh, hmm. was so interesting. And like the technocracy was such a cool concept and like the idea of fighting this techno this pervasive techno threat was so cool, but like, how do you actually, what are you actually doing? I don't know. It was very hard to wrap my head around it as like, geez, when did I get that book? Probably I was like 17, I think. So it was like, I was into like the Illuminatus trilogy and like that sort of stuff then. So it was kind of like Mage the Ascension really made sense as like something that attracted me, but it, I didn't, I have to admit, I did not understand what to do with it, like at all. <laughs> so yeah, I feel you. Like, yeah, comrade yeah. Sim has a good point that a lot of the books are great settings, but I want to run them in other systems. Or <laughs> can't. Yeah. 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 Sim can. Yeah. Kim can. Kim can it is. Hi, Sabrina. In terms. But yeah, it's very much so. Uh, it's very much so like you were saying. Uh, it, it's very much so. This this is a great setting you've set forth. How do I use it mm-hmm. in game form? Like it, it, it might just be easier to run it as something else. Yeah. Which is so weird because I found Anima was like almost the opposite, which is weird because like I wanted to play so many other settings using Anima's rules, but I I have never actually played in an anima setting itself. You it browse a, a lot setting. about anima's rules, though, don't you? Like you've 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 like you've pointed out specific things that like well, are completely silly. Yeah, there there are a few things in anima's rules that are kind of terrible, but they're actually <laughs> relatively easy to fix for the most part. Oh, okay. And despite that, I still think it's. One of the most mechanically sound RPGs I've ever played, because mm. it it still runs really smoothly most of the time. It does have some very noticeable problems, but if you're aware of those problems, you can actually house rule to fix them pretty easily. Yeah. Like, okay. That's that's a okay. So that's a that's a benefit. That's. That's a that you know that's an interesting that's an interesting place for a game to be in, right? It's like mm-hmm. these the, the 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 rules are just slightly annoying. Like there's like oh this is an easy fix. Like if we just do this or this, it it fixes a couple of problems that we had, you know, or X Y and Z. Yeah, like I could yeah. basically hmm. fix ninety percent of my problems with anima in like two or three paragraphs mm-hmm. like that's all it takes to change most of it other than the, the placement of the book um oh god i have never seen the layout for a book be that awful before like it is one of those things that it's like reading this it's like nobody Nobody thought about this. Like nobody play tested this, did they? 
it it's it does kind of fight you. It, yeah, it one of the you. one of the weirdest things that I've that stands out about it is there is nowhere in the book that compiles what all the stats do. Like there's a bunch of stats. The stats do a bunch of different things. Nowhere's in the book do you find out like what your actual stats do. You have you to go to eat. I was just going to say, do you think maybe you got a, a, a misprint or that page just left out a PDF? No, not in no. that one. It was just like an, an older version. I think they fixed it in later versions. I think mm. there was like mm -hmm. a later version that fixed it, but not in the version I had. And it was like, it was what it did was if you wanted to know about magic, you went to the magic section and in that section as stuff came up it would tell you what the stats that affected magic did in that section but you had to basically go through the entire section and look for all the individual stats one at a time and if they weren't listed in that section then apparently they didn't have anything to do with magic until they did somewhere else? No, or... as far as I could tell, like, if something did affect magic, then it was in the magic section. Cool, okay. It, it may not be right next to each other, but it was in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know. What was the point of that? It's just... I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember where we, where, where we were going. Anyway uh legibility problems with like RPGs. an rpg like that that particular rpg like it is still basically my favorite published rpg or not yeah i'd say like finished rpg because like i would like yours better than anima i don't know if it would necessarily be fit for running a lot of different games but anima is oh. like a good yeah. game for playing Shadowrun in, oddly. It's good for like a lot of the White Wolf games. Like huh. okay. it would it would handle Mage fairly well, but not in the way they want Mage to be. Like Mage is very vague about their spells. Anima is Anima is several orders of magnitude stronger than the spells in Mage, which is kind of difficult. Because uh -huh. Mage has really powerful spells in it, and then Anima is just like, yeah, we have god-tier spells. Like, here, you can create a new planet on a whim. Yes. Like, here, just define a new species. This is a new species. It exists. Those things do exist in Mage, but they're like the nine-dot, like, arch, arc, or six-dot arc mage type things where you're like, here's a new species, blammo. And it, you know, yeah just just uh the paradox just kicks the planet in the balls like a couple seconds later uh or something yeah it's kind of a weird thing with mage i never really liked the paradox oh that was cool the way it's handed like no the concept was good the implementation basically meant you can do anything you want as long as nobody's looking mm-hmm yeah, it, I mean, it not not anything you want. There's still like 
I, well, I mean, it was better defined in, in Mage the Awakening. So I, those are the paradox rules that I'm most familiar with. The original paradox rules were not super clear, but yes, that was more or less it. You could do, you can get away with a lot if no, but no sleepers saw you. Um, in Awakening, the rule was closer to, you could get away with uh, tweaking probability and having really good luck uh, if basically anytime you wanted and you could kind of do it in front of sleepers but risky and you could do sort of gross magic not in front of sleepers but that would risk paradox no matter what so like if you were to just like rip up part of the street like even if there was nobody there that that could risk paradox just because it was so unreal um mm -hmm. yeah hey, that yeah. that is also another thing with mage was like the i like the the idea for the perfect mage would be like a street magician. Yes. Yeah. You can get away with a lot, right? If everybody thought you were like, like yeah. No, yeah. this is totally like, well, I look, I'll I'm totally just gonna walk up to somebody on the street and say, I'm gonna perform a magic trick, do like a few simple sleight of hand things and then perform like actual bullshit magic in front of them. They'll just be like, How the hell did you do that? But they won't question it, right? <laughs> or it won't it won't invoke paradox? Actually, they, yeah, is, is the key part there. Yeah. If you if you have good enough good enough fast talk or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. So authorial intent. Let's let's keep yeah. push 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 push. Yeah. Okay. So, um, trying to get the idea of what the author's trying to go with and why they're trying to do it. It's a bit of a tricky thing because a lot of that information doesn't really necessarily belong in a game. And yeah. sometimes it gets like, I definitely have sections in my game that I need to rephrase because I have explicitly listed my intent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this probably doesn't really need to be in here. They don't necessarily need this information, but I kind of want them to know why so that they, if they have a question of, you know, here's the, here's the, the letter of the law, but here's the intent of the law. Mm -hmm. So if there's a conflict, they know which one to follow. Yeah. Because my my general view is that, like, you know, for, like, the rules lawyers and stuff, it's, like, it's better to, if you know what the, the intent is behind it, you can work with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I would actually prefer if the rules lawyers were actually arguing for the intent of the law. It's like, well, that's not what the rules actually say, but this is what they're clearly trying to do, so it should work right. anyway. <laughs> no, I I agree. There's there's time that I've I've encountered that in games before, where you know the the as you say, the letter of the law was saying something that was that made the game worse, like demonstrably, mm. and and if we just did it this slightly different way 
then it would be fine. And then I've had like GMs and players like insist on persisting with the the way that makes things demonstrably worse. And it's like, huh? So there's there's this there's this, and I, I it's it's hard to categorize like what that stems from because it could be like you want to you want to sort of trust the author right to know their rule system uh and so there's this sort of willingness to suspend diff's belief in the moment you know i I, I would actually say let me finish with the idea that that the 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 flow of the game overall will work better if we adhere to all the rules rather than cherry pick which ones feel good in the moment I think that would be the main argument if if somebody was trying to defend sticking with something that that made the experience worse in the moment but but for for them it would be like no no we got to play the game this way in order for the whole experience to work. I yeah so personally that's not where I'm coming from but I feel like that's probably the strongest argument against yeah my position, but... my position and your position probably See, my issue is now that I've done designing games, mm-hmm. I know very well not to trust the author to know what they're thinking because they don't. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you from personal experience, no, they, they probably don't remember this. And if you point it out to them, they'll be like, I don't remember that rule. Mm-hmm. Or like, they'd be like, oh, wasn't I that, I that or something. Didn't I like, yeah. change no wait no it it used to work this way no i changed that when did i change that give me a second i need to check my notes what the fuck was i thinking yeah oh wait 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 i okay i changed that because of this other thing but i changed this other thing and forgot about it and forgot to go back and adjust this one because it wasn't actually in the keyword search when i was changing the other thing because i have totally done that Yes, me too. Where it's like, oh, that word works way better, like as an intuitive description of what, because that's what the players were calling it around the table, mm. right? So, so I was like, I'm just, okay, well, the, the clearly the move is just to change it to what the players were saying, for fuck's sake. That's, you know, and if it's, ha- I mean, I'm not basing that just on one group, but if it happens like several times and you go, okay, well, this is clearly the word for what they're talking about. So I'm just maybe might as well just call that the thing um i mean yeah yeah so so i've had to do those word searches where clearly one word is more intuitive than another better describes the concept and uh you know i think that's that's a problem that's a common huh that's sort of a common barrier towards authorial intent because you're you're trying to use i think a lot of times and i'm definitely in the camp of being this guy who who does this and probably continues to do this, I would say, um, uses specific vocabulary in order to make certain concepts stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and w- unfortunately, that has the secondary effect of sometimes making a concept hard to remember because it's a it's a second layer on top of the existing concept. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's occasionally baggage that comes with certain words. Mm-hmm. 
and if you're you're using a certain term it's like okay this is the correct term for this but because i'm using this term there are expectations with this term that come with it and these are not accurate like i know you were very frustrated at my my game for a little bit because of my classes are basically uh, not the standard definition of what a class is right and it's like i mean what else are you going to call it like i i know that it's more accurate to call them like combat philosophies but that's a handful to say nobody uh -huh. really thinks of it that way you know damn well people are just going to call it well it's your class well or, your or class. they'll say fighting style that's the other thing they'll call it they can call it fighting style style I, See, I understand. That doesn't even work because I have fighting styles as a separate thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of screwed yourself there. Maybe you should have fewer, fewer like categories of shit. Ooh. Yeah, but this one I, I think actually is important. Like, I don't want to get rid of the fighting styles. It's, it's mostly for like weapons specifically. So it's like things like specializing in using multiple weapons at the same time or mm -hmm. uh, focusing on using uh, quicker hits or heavier attacks that go through. Right, right. I understand. That kind of thing. And yeah. each one's tied to a stance. So like the idea of using different stances is actually kind of important. Mm -hmm. So switching like which stance you're in kind of matters right as it might give you extra abilities or give you extra bonuses for a bunch of different weapons so oh no oh no no sabrina no <laughs> the, the chat is going is taking a hard left <laughs> yeah sorry sorry sabrina mentioned the one page rpg and it's like there's there's a design contest for that each year where it's like, like the 500 word rpg and it's it's awful like it's not awful it's I'll, awful i'll fight you on awful it's not awful it's 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 difficult i would try if i were you i were you i would i would try doing it before we called it awful i i have and i oh. I hated what was coming out of it. Like the problem with the condensing of it is you can't actually put truly interesting stuff into it because there's not room for it. You can only put in things like that hint at stuff. It's like you can't put in a setting, you can put in, oh, here's like a writing prompt you can put a writing prompt in but you can't flesh it out enough that it's actually a game like you can put in you can put in basics for a game but there's not actually much depth to it like there can't be i don't know I think you can. I think you can get a surprising amount of depth out of it. I think. 
Oh, you can uh, get a lot more than you'd expect. It's just, it's still not up to the standards of what I want from a game. Okay, but that's different than awful. Let's make that distinction. Your standards and awful are not the same thing, Cat. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you. The <laughs> issue is I also have standards for what awful is. So because these are both variables, they can match whatever I want them to be. Sounding awfully totalitarian over there, cat. I mean, it's totally fine to be totalitarian if you're always right, which I am not. <laughs> which is kind of the problem with totalitarianism and, you know, people have different values, so. Uh-huh. You know. Values change all the time, actually, from moment to moment. <laughs> what is right changes all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Totalitarianism is not is definitionally wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I'm fine with it that. doesn't work. It can't work, but and it does work if everybody's on exactly the same page and nobody questions it. And if nobody minds purging anybody who is not on the same page. Well, that might be a different definition of work than my definition of work. I mean, it obviously doesn't work for the people that get purged. So it's Andrew D and D party. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. Yes. Yep. We discovered a halfling. Get him. Oh no. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I I meant Kender, but but oh. but halfling's good enough. We can feed the yeah. halfling something. Because we can all run faster than the halfling. That's the whole. That's the whole gag. I don't know. I I I like the halflings. The fast one. Which ones are the slow ones? Is the gnomes? One of those guys got twenty. Got got shafted on movement. And, uh, and might be. I I don't see why. Because like movement is such a huge deal. Like, what good is not being able to get into range to do anything? Uh, if you're a wizard, doesn't really doesn't really matter that much. I mean, some that's uh, why are we arguing about that? That doesn't make any sense. All right, so uh, back to the thing we were talking about. So authorial intent. What about what about when the author is telling you what their intent is, and then the game doesn't do that? What do you do? Oh. What do you first, do, Hotshot? I think the first step would be to figure out, do you actually want to do what the author says their intent was? Because if they their intent is crap, then it's not a problem. Yep. I would argue the intent of first edition D&D is better than the game you get if you run first edition. Hmm. Possible. I don't. I don't know. I haven't actually played first edition, so I don't know. So the, but. the okay, but the what I am talking about is the the uh, the experience that the OSR people are chasing 
is, I think, the intent behind first edition D and D, like the, yeah, the, that, that sort of the this sort of you know fic, fi, do fiction first, but don't call it that type thing, where it's like you describe what you do until something in the rules triggers a role, uh, mm. and so so you you go and you ask questions and you explore and you do things and then when when it's you know really up to fate then you then you do the role but that's not the game that 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 the first edition ADD books read like they read like a miniatures war game with treasure tables <laughs> well i mean that's basically what they were based off of i i mean i don't think they knew how at the time to do a lot of that stuff it was really hard it's still hard let's yeah. make, make this clear it's still hard to explain how to run an rpg like without showing it, it right like yeah so i can hardly blame them at the like beginning of this weird sort of tangent off of war games that it was really hard for dudes to describe like what and by dudes i just mean that's the generic genderless dudes uh people do i'm from california i get to do that uh where where people were sort of um didn't have any vocabulary to describe what was happening experientially uh um, it's not just that it's that at the time they they i don't think they really were going for that either like the intent mm. was not quite the same as what it was to no, no no listen look you got okay you, if you read about blackmore when that when dave arneson was running blackmore with the with those uh that first set of rules like the first set of like dnd rules and that was like the first big setting that was it was totally like a heroic rpg type thing it was very much what we would expect from like an ideal an ideal game of dungeons and dragons as described by the people who really enjoy dungeons and dragons it was like that kind of thing right so um I, it's hard to say that that intent wasn't there at the beginning because i think it was it's just very hard to convey that intent it's still hard now you know some 50 years later when uh you know our designers still struggle with this like how to how do i i have this really great experience around my table how what words do i use to best convey to you the structure of that experience such that you can recreate it using this this scaffolding of dialogue and 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 mechanical input output nodes so no because like like i still do check through like the second ad and d books that mm -hmm. i got because i have physical copies behind me that i still have access to mm -hmm. some of the few rpg books that i actually physically still have so those ones like if you look through say the spell list for example the spells are handled in such a way that they are definitely not fiction first at all. They're not even trying to be. The intent is definitely not 
there. Like, they are very explicit that, okay, anything that you want to do that is outside of this spell is worth this much damage. If you try to use it for anything other than damage, we are going to explicitly spend literally half a page dedicated to explaining exactly how it does not work for anything other than damage. <laughs> like, here, you can make a wall out of stone. If you are trying to use the wall for anything other than, you know, knocking the wall over and dealing damage to somebody, you're using it wrong. Like, if you're trying to use the wall as a wall, they go into explicit detail, like literally like covering like an entire page, like just explaining how you cannot use a wall as a wall. Okay. Like, they are I mean, picky I, about it. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. But like, I was not talking about second. I mean, second edition, I was not, I was talking about first. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I know it's probably okay. different, but. <laughs> My point is that I, I assume, and I could be totally wrong on this, mm -hmm. but I assume that second edition would at least have a lot of the same intent as first edition. I could I be totally so. wrong on that. I don't think so. I think second edition, there were two reasons second edition was the, the thing it was. Yeah, uh, I, I know it wanted to be separate it, from the original, but I don't know if that meant it changed the intent. Well, I think at that point it had become a big, I mean, it had become a business decision. Like second edition was, was a rebranding, you know, in a big way that they did, that the art was, they spent a lot of money on art, you know, they yeah. really tried to make it as attractive as, you know, the, the like they were the the people they were trying to get on board were the kids that were really into van art van panel art you know like that really conan-y frazetta fantasy type stuff and you know the art they got in second edition is like some of the best rpg art that exists still it's great like so oh, yeah. and but I don't. Th I think the intent was not necessarily to put together a really coherent game. I think that the intent was to get a product out that was good enough to continue itself, and then perpetuate the line. That was, I think, the main the main thrust. And mm -hmm. there was not. There were not like risks in the design process taken there was like there's a collation of stuff from ad from ad and d and stuff and and other disparate sources and the initiative system that exists in the second doesn't exist as far as i can tell as far as anyone can tell i think you can link to the uh the rules as written initiative things and it's basically unplayable there it's a bunch of lines of text it's like looking at old computer code or something um mm -hmm. It, and it feels like it feels like there was an element of that with the release schedule of third edition where they were putting out two books a month i mean second edition was crazy had crazy release schedules because they were doing 
like all kinds of new world box sets and like supporting like multiple lights like Ravenloft had its own line like it wasn't like one a one and done book or like even like two books it was like up like a bunch right same mm -hmm. thing dark sun spelljammer birthright um Planescape. I mean, the list, it, yeah, Planescape, it keeps going, right? So, like, there was so much stuff being produced. And then there was, like, the core line of, like, diving, like, here's a, one book just about Mind Flayers. Here's one book just about Beholders. And just really yeah, drilling a down. a lot of specific stuff, mm -hmm. like, like the complete book about elves, and then, like, right. a book specifically about paladins. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, and they weren't small books either it wasn't like oh here's like a 30 page pamphlet it's like yeah mm -hmm. there's like you know 150 pages about elves just yeah. elves. yeah you know and the amount of content that was produced is i mean just incredible like you can't like it, it would be, it's almost impossible to go back and read it all right like there's so much stuff um but that being said i don't think there was a coherent there, it doesn't seem like there was a coherent rules set there that was like really put in, like impelling that whole thing forward. It felt like to me and people who have done interviews about that time have said this, like there was, a, it was about the release schedule. Like it was, mm. um, you know, prohibited to play test games on company time. So that's a, I mean, think about that. That's a weird one. Uh, yeah, that kind of goes against like, but you know the basic concept of like any kind of product okay we're making a product uh we don't actually want to test if the product is going to be worth selling right but that's the thing see they, they were doing so they were taking such a scattershot approach that they didn't that was the, the strategy was just support everything and let everybody have their own niche and let everybody have their own kind of like variation of the rules that kind of didn't talk to each other so like if you had a dark sun character and you wanted to like port it into ravenloft you had to do a little bit of a conversion um so there there and this was there was uh the push in the company was to, to get stuff out was not it was not to make really coherent experience generators it was to generate like make a lot of content so but listen you know that there's a degree to which that worked like mm -hmm. like some really interesting shit came out of that and i it it you know they sort of threw themselves on the bonfire of history a little bit uh because that 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 incarnation of the company was totally unsustainable. I mean, it was self-terminating, literally. And, but, oh, yeah. like, the, the amount of experimentation that happened, I don't think you'd see, you could get anywhere else because it was like, it was like you gave, it was like you gave a, a, a bunch of little startups money and, like, really hard <laughs> deadlines. And just, like, go get, go. And there's like, okay, we're gonna do D and D in space, and like, there's gonna be space hippos. Like, wait, what? Space hippos? Yeah, go with it. Okay, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, and, and you know, the space mind flares. And then there's here's a setting that's all about generational castles, and and you rule the land, and that that's cool. 
And here's one where it's a post magical apocalypse, but like Mad Maxi and the uh, like elves, halflings are cannibals and shit. And and here's a setting that's just just this sucks in all the evil shit from all the other settings, and they all hang out and turn into a giant clusterfuck of evil. And, we already and, knew to never trust an elf. <laughs> that, um, that that's been a standard since even before role playing games existed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's from that's no, yeah, that's from like you know Celtic mythology. Don't trust elves. Yeah, because I mean you know play fair, but mm. <laughs> don't take any deals. Uh, what were we saying? Anyway, D and D all scattered. The scatter shop worked in a certain way, right? But unsustainably. Yeah, unsustainably. It generated a lot of properties that people really enjoyed because the intent was to generate properties that people really enjoyed. And it was not to build coherent rules. They kind of like left it up to the GMs. And that was part of like GMing advice at the time was kind of like, how do you take these rules and, and use them? Because it wasn't, you know, like most people were sort of like jumped into the hobby by a cousin, you know, kind of like you get in, you know, like almost like a gang initiation. Um, mm. So like there's, there was a, a an oral tradition passed along with a lot of this stuff that that doesn't exist anymore as part of that thing. That oral tradition is now on YouTube and, and is, and is commodified. Uh, and so it's a little suspect at this point because now it's trying to sell you on the idea of the book rather than like tell you how it is. Which I don't know, like it, you're going to run into the how it is anyway. So is that that big a downside? Mm. I shrug. I don't know. Yeah, as I suppose it depends on what you mean by like how it is. Mm -hmm. Like. I'm not entirely sure how you mean it in this context. I just, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's anything to do about it. Like, I think there's, I think sort of in a way that the, the, the real, the, the live play market, what do they call it? Actual play market? Actual play. Actual live play. I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's a porn thing. I don't know. Uh, is it a porn thing? Sounds like it would be. Doesn't matter. Uh, actual plays. But but there's a market for actual plays, right? And they're turning in their celebrities. And good for them. I don't have, I have nothing bad to say about that. But I'm just wondering if that is you know i i hope that's leading more people to have good experiences around the table but i am i wasn't wouldn't say cautious cautious is not the right word to use here but it's more like i okay. i have a yeah it's a concern about about thinking it should go a particular way because that's how you've seen it go mm. you know, and, and and not having not having that personal relationship with your um your you like the target of your mimicry makes it so that you can't adjust right when something goes a little sideways and so you might be wondering like why the fuck you're failing quote unquote to have a good time 
when you're doing it just like you're doing it on YouTube and it's not going well. So there, I, I, I have concerns about like the level of just, just relational isolation in general among in society, <laughs> forget RPG fans, but RPG fans in particular, because we tend to be a sort of hermetic bunch by, by, by temperament. And so, but, but that's also a group activity, right? Like it's our out, it's our way of associating with others that are like us in a place where there's rules that we can all sort of like be on the same page about that are written down so that we don't have to have, uh, uh, we don't have to have these weird tacit understandings that we don't know how to converge on. So people like us are need this shit because we need it. Uh, I don't I don't know that we have a choice necessarily, but we find this stuff because it facilitates our growth in some sense. Um, I don't know where I was going with that point. I'm just, um, I'm to, just relaying my, exper my experiences to, at this point. To so. tie it back to the topic as well, like there is an authorial intent, not just in, you know, the the game rules themselves, but also by like, you know, the GM. I and to some degree the players as well like they have an intent of how they think the game should go and how it should be played and how it should be run and this does not necessarily overlap with the game rules themselves like there there are definitely situations that I've been in where we've been playing the wrong game uh -huh. like, yeah right I'm sure this has happened to a lot of people too, where it's like, okay, we want to do a space opera. We're going to do it in D and D, which is not the right choice for doing a space opera. You can kind of forcibly That's hammer it into into place, but mm -hmm. it, it doesn't it's not meant to do that and it's clear it's not meant to do that and there's definitely people that they're just like well dnd's like you can change the rules in dnd you can just make it fit anything you want to do and it's like yeah but it's not very good at certain things right i think that's how we should i i i, I would be cautious against cautious against using the word wrong there because i wouldn't say it's wrong to do that i would say you're you're creating more work for yourself which listen that's not necessarily wrong sometimes you have to create more work not, for yourself in order to figure out how to but... Do stuff. but i your your point is well taken yes it's like yeah if it, it gets to the point where you're having to throw out over half the game you're probably better off using a different starting point like almost yep. guaranteed like you, you if you want to do like a horror game like Sabrina's saying, mm -hmm. D, D is not a very good game for horror. It, it it doesn't really have any mechanics that back up horror. Like it's tried a couple of times. I've I've seen like uh specific things where it has attempted to do horror, but it mostly comes down to rolling on a table. Uh, right, exactly. See, the thing is about like horror, right? See, like D&D, &D, even like you have like Ravenloft, right? Which has horror 
in it. Um, very rarely are they talking about horror horror. Generally, generally what happens is you get like a, a fear effect applied and something you take some sort of resource damage to some various what whatever. But that's not that's to me, that's like treating sanity like hit points, like Call of Cthulhu does, right? It's just it's a different hit point track that the monsters can attack and yeah. there are status status effects that get applied because they attacked you and blah blah blah. Yeah, and the insanity tables is exactly right. what I was referencing that yeah. mentioned. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's just this is not no horror horror, horror 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 is when you realize everything you know about a situation is wrong like everything is upside down and you're in the sights of whatever is upside down like it is coming at you and you have no recourse escape or anything to do and it's the opposite of what you want like the the thing is already in the house the call is coming from in the house is horror right it's not it's not finding the dead body the the horror is when you realize you roll a dead body over and see that it's you right that's horror that's like wait what what am, am i wait what that's that's horror that's where you're like that's what games can't do mechanically because it's not mechanical it's a story twist like yeah. only if games have <laughs> like there are some games that do this where it's like there's an actual story twist that happens but um unless you have that you don't you don't you definitionally don't have horror you have something you're calling horror in order to to sell the idea of horrificness but it's not horror it's it's yeah, there, damage and a status effect there so, is there is a difference between like you know psychological horror and jump scares they're not the same thing they they I, affect totally different parts of the brain yep and oh. they do so in very different ways. Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm curious. What's the reading posting? This is uh oh heart. Yes, this is this is a whole game, right? So yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough though, um the way that you were describing horror though, mm -hmm. the funny part is is as you get closer to the the end of my game or if you're playing certain classes you actually start to bump into horror elements like for example if you you're using the miasmist it's it's based partially on like you know the whole um plague doctor concept and a few other things mixed together but part of the aspect of it is like you're trying to trace down as part of your uh, the faction attached to the prestige class because each prestige class is attached to like these different factions and that they don't just give you training and here's how you do stuff it's like we're going to show you how to do stuff because we need you to do this stuff kind of thing right and in this particular case, basically, they're trying to track down um, a nature of flawed magic. Like, there's some sort of tainted form of uh, magical energy that's 
becoming almost infectious like a plague and throughout like like the mechanics of the prestige class are built so that yeah you can you know extract magical energy from things purify it and then uh place it back in again i mean for for combat that's how it works but based on the nature of it 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 actually kind of guides you down a story path where you're going to find one of the things that usually is not meant until the end of the game story arcs like the built-in ones you're actually going to bump into them a lot sooner than you normally would which is that the source of this and it's going to be mentioned in the gm section is that if you have anybody playing this you're going to find that the source of all of this uh tainted magic comes from the very core of the planet itself and where they've basically got an elder dragon goddess in suspended animation like just a moment before her death and it's specifically that they're screwing with reality on such a large scale that it's basically starting to break things down in the process yeah the the thing is though like the reasons for like why she's there how she's there and so on those i haven't spoiled those but yeah it's kind of a spoiler but it's like this is something that you would normally run into at the end of the game and it'd be like oh everything we thought we were doing is wrong and even like the nature of why the planet exists why the main antagonist is doing the things they're doing and all of these other things everything gets flipped on its head pretty badly i don't i don't know that you should be talking about that if that's a that's a yeah. that's a thing you want people to discover yeah. okay i mean it's, let's, it's, it's let's be fair how, how many people are going to listen to this that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> They'll go back in the archives and discover. They'll go back in the archives and be like, God damn it. You knew about this shit. But yeah, it's like, I do like plot twists, but especially like for a game where the concept is that it's focused around player agency where the players are making their own decisions based on the information that they have and that you have to make informed decisions for it to truly be agency like if you're basing all of your information on flawed and like you're basing all of your decisions on flawed information then you're not really providing proper consent or proper agency to your actions like you're not making an educated choice. So if the concept is about, okay, this is all about player agency, all of your choices are at your disposal, you know what you're doing in advance, 
and you're still screwing it up, like this is your own fault, then actually having it so, okay, we've kind of got it figured out finally. We've sorted things out. We're, we kind of figured out how to avoid making the wrong decisions. And then it jerks you at like the last moment. And it's like, no, it was still wrong. You still screwed it up. It's like the point there is to actually intentionally take some agency away from the player at the last moment so that they feel what it's like to lose control again. And this has basically been preparing them up for this moment so that they, like the entire story arc for like individual characters is meant to basically build them up to a point so that when they lose agency, they can learn how to actually uh, reclaim it and take it back again. So they kind of have to be in a position where, okay, we built you up so that you can actually change the world. Now we actually have to take that power away from you so that you have to show that you can actually claim it back again. Because otherwise you haven't actually shown that you can actually do that. Right. Yes. So you have to have, so you're building. Hmm. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm always concerned about having those kind of things in an RPG because the uh, those kinds of meta plots tend to, I don't know. I, I Maybe this is just me. I, I tend to avoid them because <laughs> I, what exactly, what is actually my problem with the meta plots like? Well, it's easy to do them wrong and have them completely screw everything up. And you don't really normally want to do like a gotcha moment where it's like, oh, we've been the bad guys all along. Oops. Because like you, you don't want to have that where it's like, oh, we've done some terrible things if that's the case and we are not redeemable. Like, you don't want to put the players into a position where, oh, yeah, it turns out that, like, you've been working under an illusion the whole time and, like, you've been, like, butchering orphans left, right, and center, by the way. Like, you don't want to pull that kind of crap on the players. Mm -hmm. That's why it's, like, really tricky to do that kind of thing. You do have to do it in such a way that you are positioning them so that, okay, it turns out that what you've been working towards may not have been the best idea. You have an opportunity to fix this before it actually becomes irreversible. I, and I think that's the important part is like, you still have the chance to actually fix your agency part in things. It's like, okay, now that we know what's going on, we can stop this before it's too late. 
but yeah because of that i think it's a very dangerous meta plot to play with and i think i am taking a very large risk in doing this but this is yeah because you're functionally building in the story arc to the class the level progression Mm -hmm. right i mean and because it's it's happening all around the players it's somewhat unavoidable but it's 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 necessarily involving them right because like they're here to do the thing that they're that the buy-in of the game asks them to do right yeah okay huh that's interesting so it's also it's kind of like it's kind of like you're asking the players to inadvertently go on a mega dungeon but that is open enough to allow for their own their own pathway through is that where does that sound right i wouldn't say like an a literal mega dungeon but like a metaphorical one metaphorical okay yeah 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 it's a it's the book the book itself is is like the the setting itself is the is the has an arc built into it like you expect you expect the setting to be different at the end of the campaign by default yes and there are different ways to to get there like and not just to get there but different paths you can go that will lead you to different endings too like there it's supposed to be open-ended to the point that even if this is how the basic setup is and what's being led towards it is Mm -hmm. the players can actually alter the course of history which is kind of the point of why they're players right so so you're building in you're building in sort of a timeline for them to just like to to fuck with essentially but you're building in a baseline got it okay yeah so they they can completely screw with this entire thing like the way it's set up in terms of like Mm -hmm. the base like uh meta plot is that there is probably going to be a civil war among like your guardian angels and such mm-hmm. but there doesn't have to be if the players catch on to this early and they actually care about that and they want to do something about it if they work hard enough at it they can actually prevent it from happening it's just very difficult to do because there's a lot of stuff lined up that this is probably going to happen and as they solve one problem two or three more are going to show up so they're going to be chasing loose ends for a while if they want to do that and somehow they're supposed to also be dealing with their own personal problems at the same time so it's going to be tricky to do i i don't think that does do you, do you have a okay so i have a question about that do you have then a timeline for the setting built into the leveling structure kind of yeah oh huh. 
yeah it is it's very loosely based on level rather than time in game right. it's not like a set amount of time passes it's more like here are milestones like when the players get to this point their character should be roughly this level of developed in terms of their personal plot line so they should be prepared to deal with this kind of complication showing up at this point in their development okay that's interesting because because okay so so essentially you're you're giving the gm a campaign strategy guide yeah okay yeah it's it's a it's meant to be like what i envision um the idea of a module should be i mm -hmm. the the gameplay like here's here's a storyline it's like oh here's um exactly what this character does at exactly this time and it's like no that's terrible that doesn't work it has to be in relation to where the players are and what the players are doing and it has to be vague enough to handle the players doing all sorts of stuff that could not be predicted players are going to do things that you don't expect them to do like one of my uh play testers has decided that she's going to save all the animals because discovered that oh yeah the monsters in the world do not necessarily want to be monsters that are slain because that's the natural reaction they're supposed to have so that's how they were built to be because like if the monster isn't trying to kill you then it's not much of a monster is it right <laughs> yeah but then they're then she's like yeah but they don't really like they're showing fear because the monster's supposed to show fear when you do certain things to it and it's like okay i don't feel good about this i am actually you know what i want to speak to your manager i want to go to like the fucking queen of the druids and I'd like to get this changed so that you're not hurting the monsters anymore. Huh. It's like, okay, you can do this. I did not predict this. But this setting is built in such a way that it can actually, it can handle this. <laughs> Well, that's fucking incredible. I mean, that's pretty, that's really interesting. I mean, so, so like, it's, it's like, here's the, so, I mean, I know that you have a, a ton of content in the book already, right? I know cause mm. I've, I've seen that shot, seen it with my eyes, which are now like, I can't unseen it. Trust me. Uh, it's long is what I'm saying. There's a lot, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of content and you're not even done. So like, what I'm trying to figure out is how you intend to boot up a, the GM version of you that has this, like the capacity to, to, um, to roll with that kind of player request. Where it's like, I want to change the, I'm going to go to the Druid Queen and change the fundamental reality of this thing. New RPG Karen's changed the world. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'd like to see your manager, yeah. right? So, yep. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's like I do have a few ways that I'm going to try to work on that. Like okay. the first one is basic information for the GM that's fed to them. Um in leveling information, like okay, at about this level range. These are the main things that are going on. Here's like a level by level. As you get through this, here's new information that their character, their their guardian angel will have unlocked them. It's recommended to only look at this page as you get to it. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Mm -hmm. so that you can actually, you know, um, so that they're getting fed information at the rate that the players would be getting it as well. Yes. But at the I, same mm -hmm. at the same time, there should there's going to be an extra section that just basically it's like, okay, here's basically some spoilers if you want to get ahead of it. It might be necessary for um certain issues that come up. If the players start digging in for information about this particular major topic, there's only a few major things in the game world that really matter. Like most of this is fairly optional. You can do whatever you want with it. You can replace certain bits and pieces and there's no issue. But there's a few key points that a lot of other things are using as <clears throat> load bearing structures to the plot. Mm -hmm. So yeah. If you get a question about this, there is a section specifically covering this topic. Like, this is specifically how magic works. So, if somebody starts asking about certain aspects of the magic system, you can actually go, Oh, I actually know what to do with this. Like, it's not normally needed in play. You're probably not going to require it most of the time. If somebody wants to start screwing with like the fundamental nature of magic or create new spells or stuff like that, then you're probably going to need to know this. If somebody wants to start messing with like the Civil War, here's the reasoning behind why this is happening. The, the main people that are at the focus of this have this information to work with. This is why they're doing it. You're guardian angel character would not actually know this probably but you could if you need to add it into their information you can like if they start pursuing this kind of uh, meta plot here's the information that you need to know to use it okay. if they're not pursuing this meta plot then you don't need to know this until later okay Thank so you. I think this will work. I don't know. This I is. Mean, it sounds like it needs to be two books. It sounds like it needs to be two books at that point. It, because it, it sounds like there's be. an. Yeah, it sounds like there's an adventure that is like the GM book. And it sounds like there's the player book, which they're not. You know, you kind of have this. I mean, it doesn't spoil it, right? Because your whole. Your whole structure is fluid enough that you're baking in multiple outcomes from the beginning so it's not like like there's like 
is kind of like in having set multiple endings. There's a I don't know. There, yes. There's there's something that's tricky. really get as it broad is. as you possibly can with like almost good bad no not the, some of both the way i've know? actually tried to do it is not define the endings at all it's define here are the Uh, I would be careful that of that going, because it's, it's not going to be perfect. No, I know, but like logical conclusions, assuming logical conclusions on the part of players, in my and this is not just GM to player logical. Conclusions. I'm talking about like designer to user logical conclusions. Don't don't rely on that. Don't rely on users drawing logical conclusions from inferences. It it's 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 it, madness. No, that's this is just for myself, like. I don't care if uh, people follow the same conclusions. It's like, okay. Oh, I like, see what you're saying. So there's a logical consistency to where your particular arc goes. Yeah, like if okay. if I were running it and I was using the player characters that I'm currently running it with, mm -hmm. I can estimate what kind of endings would make sense to happen based mm. on the information that's there. But because I'm not defining the ending, I'm only defining the factors. Any new factors they add will change what the ending's outcomes will be. So I don't have defined endings of here's the good ending, here's the bad ending, and so on. It's like, no, it's like you might end up with a confrontation with Machiel where you actually end up killing her. Okay, that will trigger probably the certain set of events unless something happens that prevents those from happening right so here's the stuff that would happen when this person dies if and then obviously any of them that can't happen don't happen but like here's yeah here's what you could expect if the players like knock the this fundamental support out from under the world here's what you can expect yeah Okay. Yeah, that interesting. That's really cool. I like that idea because there's, there's, it's not always obvious like where where those load bearing pillars are and where they're not in a setting. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, there's only a few in this setting, mm -hmm. and because they are fairly strictly defined mm -hmm. for where these particular ones are, I don't need to strictly define every supporting structure around them i only need to specify there's probably about a half dozen major ones and okay. if you start kicking out these specific load-bearing structures then here are the things that are specifically tied to those so if this changes 
here's the specific things that are tied to it. You figure out what happens from there. Because I can't tell you every single thing that'll happen from that point on. I can only say, here's the things that are connected to it. Right. But here's right, right, enough right. information that if you know that, if you kill this character, here's the things mm -hmm. that are going to be connected to that character's death. From that point, you're going to have to extrapolate out from there what happens. Right, I think right. I think this will work. This is something that I do not know. I cannot tell currently. I have to finish getting through the current rework, add the extra stuff, make it so it's fully playable by another GM, and have another GM run the game. So this is going to be into the actual beta testing, not the alpha testing phase, because I can't do it in the alpha testing phase it's not possible i totally totally agree with that yep that's you know now that i'm moving i <laughs> now now the mechanics have been tested by players like the gm stuff is where i'm like I, I i know what you're going through right now like i'm i'm right there with you so authorial intent that's uh i think i think we've thoroughly unpacked yours so that's cool i did not there's a lot of stuff about sarah so i, I learned night that was really neat no it was really neat to learn like because i've had you you've you've mentioned all of these things before sort of obliquely and mm -hmm. like ha like you know something like you know it you can understand that it would send up red flags if somebody's has an rpg in which they talk about multiple scripted endings right i mean like yeah so it's like so when i've heard you talk about those things before i'm like i I don't know what she means by that. I so I I'm glad we got this opportunity to to like delve in and I got to um got a better insight as to what what you're actually reaching for with the setting and how you're supporting uh how you're supporting greater player agency by including for the GM what to do when the players attack the setting itself which is Something I have witnessed players do, by the way, and yeah. no no game responds well to it. And I'm I'm impressed that you. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. That's the thing, like because both of us are on the same like, let's gamify the conceits of gaming. Idea. Yeah, like, here's players the idea. are going to do this sooner right, or later. Exactly. You have to be. You have to plan in advance that players are going to try to upend like the the very basic nature of the game. Like I have it built in like that one of the actual uh, mechanics that you can select at mm -hmm. character creation is you can change the entire nature of your whole path to redemption thing, like your character's story arc. You can change the fundamental buy-in to the game where you're not actually trying to be like, oh, I'm going to just go along with it and absolve myself of my sin and figure out my characters, like uh, where their position is in the world and who they are as an individual. You can just be like, no, I've just decided that they're absolutely convinced they're not supposed to be here. They got the wrong guy. Um, they're just going to try to escape by any means necessary. Like, they're 
their entire structure no longer focuses on understanding themselves. It's how close they can they can get to actually escaping the planet. Hmm. So it's okay, like that's cool. People are going to try to do this. They're going to try to break the game anyway. You may as well try to think of some of the ways they're going to try to break it mm -hmm. and at least make it flexible enough that if they do break it, it doesn't break everything. It just breaks it in localized effect mm -hmm. so that it's like, okay, this, this pillar collapsed. This is going to cause this to fall down. It will not crush you. You will get out of the way in time, but now you've got a mess to deal with. Right. Yeah, interesting. At least that's the theory. We'll see if that actually works in practice. Right. Yeah, that's always that's always the thing, right? Once once you once the rubber hits the road, the the uh metaphysical I am advancing. Wow, neat. So Sabrina posted this thing where uh, you can, this advance is only usable once you may either remove a word or phrase from your character sheet or remove a word or phrase from the copy of Spire that your GM is using to run the game. Reality will warp to accommodate the edit. Har. That's pretty, that's pretty meta. I don't, I, that's, that's more meta than, than, than Ashes gets. Uh, oh, maybe not. No, I. No, I mean, not. It's not I actually it's, have an ability in my game that does something very, very similar to that. Okay. Like it is one of the top end abilities for a prestige class focused on like manipulating um, fate. They can mm -hmm. actually go in and just alter the nature of something. So like they can affect a character or a concept. Like they can basically go in and as long as it's a specific thing, like you can't remove like the concept of causing harm to people. That's too broad of a concept, but you could specifically make it so that like this specific type of attack, like this specific ability, basically has just been completely erased from memory. It no longer exists as a thing. All right, cool. Well, that's a, well, we've done like an hour and 40 minutes, or close to, how long is we going? I don't know. Sometime. We can get off the top. 128. 128, hour and 28. All right, that's been pretty good, though. Yeah. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to another Flail Forward. Um, I don't really have any more to say unless I were to go down in authorial intent and ashes, which in which case we'd be here for another uh, to another hour and a half, probably. Oh, yeah. That, so stay <laughs> for the, so if you were here, you could have stayed for the after show and listened to the half hour and a half rant about like authorial intent and ashes and magi. Yep. Jane, you weren't here except for the people that are here, in which case you, you two are awesome. Yeah. I mean, you won't, mm. you're not going to part. Yeah. Yes. Join the discord. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody. Good night. It is night where you are. Always remember that. And we're out and I'm going to kick the bot.
What did the bot ever do to you? Uh, it was died. Uh, can, yeah, it did actually die, like in really crucial moments. <laughs> oh no! Mm -hmm. it just, that one, it just made the Canadian flag because 